the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I'm joined in studio with Jeff Lockridge. Uh, Jeff is a, a new member here at the North Valley uh, Church of Christ, and he has uh, been gracious enough to join me here on the program. He has uh, have learned uh, a plethora of experience <laughs> in radio, and I'm excited to have him. And we are, we're excited that you all are here to uh, to hear the program and be, be with us. And if you missed last week's program and, uh, or any of the uh, subsequent ones, I uh, post all those on our website. If you go to www.nvcoc.net, click on that radio mic. It'll take you to our blog site. It's got, it'll have this recording and all the previous recordings uh, on there as well. And also, if you've been listening to the Sermon on the Mount I've been doing uh, lately, I won't be, I won't be uh, posting those to the, uh, to the radio anymore, so you won't be hearing those on 10, 10 a.m., but I will be posting those uh, on the blog site. You can listen to those those there, as well as any other uh, uh, programs I may record outside the radio program. Well, um, Jeff, uh, thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here and happy to be a part of the good work going on here at North Valley. Uh, as you mentioned, a new member. I've, I've just moved out here from Middle Tennessee, where I was born and raised in Nashville, and have been a, uh, a sports writer there for the last 17-plus years. Uh, have covered, I guess, everything from college to the NFL to high schools and anything in between you can think of. Uh, right. And I know we're going to kind of interweave some some religious and sports elements on the show today. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, the, the theme for the show today is actually uh, sports heroes, and we're definitely going to be looking at that. And I'm sure most of the men out there listening know that, you know, as soon as we all found out you were a sports writer, boy, sure. we just... We took you in real quick. I've become a fan favorite, yes. Uh, whenever I uh, am introduced to a new group and, and the sports writer element uh, is let out of the bag. Um, had quite a few members here want to discuss the upcoming football season. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, uh, you, you had inter, or, yeah, interviewed John Calperi from, uh, from Kentucky, right? Well, I've, I've been covering Vanderbilt and the SEC uh, for the last five-plus years, and uh, of course, part of covering the SEC, certainly during basketball season, includes Kentucky and Calipari. And so I've been up to rep uh, uh, five times in that span and, and have probably thrown a couple of questions John's way and and uh, been in on a number of teleconferences and other things. He's got a uh, a nice little NBA junior program going on there. Well, hey, he, I'll admit, he is. Uh, I think he's a great recruiter, great coach. And I've, I was born in Kentucky. I bleed blue. I love Kentucky basketball. But I am not a fan of Cal Perry. I, I don't like the situation that he left behind in Memphis. I, I felt like he kind of 
wronged his fans down there and in other places. So I'm not real enthused about having him there. And in fact, over the years, back in the '90s, I, I played basketball all the time. I was dedicated to Kentucky. The more I watch basketball, especially the NBA, the more I'm disenfranchised from it. I'm just not into it anymore. I don't like what I see. Uh, I, I see how people idolize uh, these sports figures, and I, I see how they're becoming less of team of a team and more of a me mentality. Sure. And, and almost some of them. I don't think they're they think they're gods or anything, but it's getting close to that. I am so much greater than everyone else uh, mentality, and, I, and that's one of the things I want us to talk about. As you already mentioned, what, what, what kind of uh, what kind of things have you run into, or you know, even looking at the history and some of the, the big names out there who we have idolized, and then we've seen their fall because of just. Really, just simple little mistakes. Well, you, you, you kind of hit on it. I mean, I, th- I think the uh, the complex where athletes begin to think a lot of themselves, uh, to put it mildly, um, it, it transcends certainly the NBA, and, and that goes into other walks of life, and certainly other sports as well. Um, it, it's it's interesting to see how how fans and, and the normal guy on the street react to certain athletes. I think plenty of fans have their heads screwed on straight, and and see these uh, as individuals to cheer for, to admire in terms of their athletic ability and what they're able to do on on a court or a field. Um, and then we see the fans that, that take it a little too far. And uh, whether that means building a shrine in your in your basement and saying a prayer to this guy, or whether that means uh, uh, trying to emulate everything that individual does from uh, the, the shoes they wear, the haircut, to the the words they say, and the things they do off the court, and hey, well, so and so did this, and you know, so what that he got in trouble if he's doing it? There's no reason why I can't do it. Um, you know, I've, I've run across uh, uh, plenty of of sports figures and, and interviewed my share of, of famous people in the past, and you know, I, I'm not uh, naive enough to think that that makes me know these individuals. Uh, and certainly, uh, I think the average fan has to um, be aware that just because you watch somebody on TV or cheer from the stands, or maybe have an interaction with them at a ball game, or maybe hear a friend that did, and you hear a couple of stories, so suddenly you feel like you have insight into their lives. Um, you don't really know them. I don't really know them. God knows them. Knows what's going on in their hearts and what's going on in their minds. Uh, we don't really know that. Um, so regardless of what they're doing on the sports field, and I think it's perfectly fine to, to be a fan of somebody and admire what they do uh, and certainly cheer for the hometown team, it's good to keep things in perspective and differentiate uh, you know, what it means to be a fan of someone and to idolize someone, uh, which, of course, in the Bible we're instructed not to do. Well, yeah, absolutely. Good point uh, you make there. And, and also on top of that, you know, uh, looking at those who idolize the fans and, and even – even sometimes I think fans will do this. We, we uh, create these expectations of our sports figures, and the pressure uh, mounts upon them to, to not only meet them but exceed them because they, they don't want to lose their job or, or lose their position or lose their fame. And, oh, they did this great job last season, so now they have to do even better next year. So what can they do to, to improve their game? It's not improving, and then they feel the pressure to – maybe take steroids or do other things because of the other younger players who are coming up and they don't want to be overshadowed by that because of the expectations 
that are out there by uh, the idolizers and as well as the the fans as well. Or they feel like they just need a release, so they go to a club and and they drink too much, uh, or, or they attempt to hook up with with women that they, you know, shouldn't be, and um, just kind of uh, whether it's too much time in the spotlight or wanting more time in the spotlight or whatever the case may be, um, don't always set the best examples for us, and uh, you know. It, kind of harkens back to to an ad campaign in the early 90s and i may be a couple years older than you but i think you'll still remember this uh charles barkley did a a nike air commercial uh that ends with him saying i am not a role model and i started thinking about that as we prepare for the show and i'm sure that's his perspective he still does interviews where he says athletes are not role models we shouldn't be role models i'm not one but i'm not sure that's his decision to make it's the individual that's looking at him and whether they choose to put him up on a pedestal or make him a role model so even though and maybe the better ad campaign would have been i shouldn't be a role model but even then it i'm still not sure it's the athlete's choice they're in the spotlight they're in that situation where people are seeing them where they're watching them uh they are an example whether it's a good or bad example is is i guess up to them uh, but they're an example nonetheless, uh, and a good or ro- bad role model, whether they want to be or not. Right. Well, and, I, and you're right, but I, I disagree on uh, them having the choice. Anybody who goes into sports and wanting to go into the NBA knows the possibilities, what's going to happen if you become very good at your, what you do. Sure. You will get the spotlight. People yes. in the spotlight will be role models. That, that's why they're on the box of uh, Wheaties. Because why? They, they, what do the uh, the people who make the the witty cereal want? The people to think, if you eat this, you're going to be just as good as basketball as this guy, or or whatever it might be. You wear these shoes and you can dunk like Jordan. You know, that's the mentality they want them to think. You you want to be cool like Jordan? Wear these or whatever it might be. And that and that uh, actually the, that whole advertising uh, that the the world puts out there, they do that because they know it works. Uh, that's what people want, and it actually reinforces some of this mentality that we see of the idolizing of these uh, sports figures. Not that all the fans do this, like you point out, but we do see that happening. And uh, even though we're talking about sports here, this is something that can happen in any aspect of our life. Um, in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 19 and 21, Jesus says, uh, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And pretty much what he's saying is, whatever you treasure the most, that's where you're going to put all your focus. So if your your uh, focus is on money, that's your idol. If your focus is on uh, your family above everything, even above God, that is your idol, or, or your wife, or whatever it might be, sports figure, then that is what your idol is. And so that's where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be, and it's obviously not with God. And we're going to be looking uh, at that a little bit closer. But I want I want you to continue some of your thoughts. And may, may, would it be going too far to look at some specific examples in sports, uh, individuals that we've seen in the past and the issues that they've run into, those who are idolized and then their fall? Sure. No, I think that's perfectly fine. I'm glad you framed it in the context you just did in terms of, of idolizing because it's easy for people to say, oh, I don't idolize that person. or you know, But actions according to the Bible, are going to speak a little louder than, than words in that context. Um, and it, it makes me think of uh, the way that that uh, my thought process has changed as a sports fan. 
um, as I've gotten older and now I have sons. I've got an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old boy, and uh, I tend to look at athletes now more through their eyes than I do my own in terms of having guys to hold up to them who are decent examples, or at least I think they are to, to the best of my ability. Um, and one, one of my favorite players uh, or athletes uh, from my teenage years in the 90s was, was Andre Agassi. Uh, despite the the earrings and the long hair, and you know I, he straightened his career out later and and came back, and uh, I love love the heart he showed late in his career, and the, I think you can take something from the dedication to keep coming back. And, and the U.S. Open's on today, so it made me think of the tennis angle. Um, but but also in his autobiography, he spells out some very serious mistakes he made uh, taking drugs. Um, I think crystal meth in the late nineties. Uh, so when I, you know, talk to my kids about certain athletes, first of all, I make sure that, that they know what I mentioned earlier, that we don't really know these people on an individual basis. Um, but there is bad that comes with the good, good that comes with the bad. Um, I won't try to hide the bad stuff. I'll say, hey, Andre made these mistakes when he was younger. You don't want to do something like that. Now he's built schools in Las Vegas to help the inner city youth. This is an example of something you, you would want to do from him. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's it's wise to keep things in perspective and, and know that there's good that comes with bad uh, with a lot of these people and that while you can admire their athletic ability um, and maybe take good examples from the way they approach their sport, you, you don't necessarily put them up on a pedestal Certainly not on the same kind of pedestal you would with God and Jesus. Oh, a- absolutely, and and like we were saying earlier, they are role models. Sure, whether they want to be or not, it doesn't matter. They are role models, and how they react to that, how they perceive that in their minds, is going to you know reflect in how they react to fans and to those who idolize them or put them on a higher pedestal than they should, as you uh, put it. Uh, Sunday night, I did a sermon, my, my lesson here at North Valley. It was on respect. And, and the key that I wanted people to take away from that is uh, when you disrespect people or disrespect things, you are devaluating them. In essence, you're, you're putting yourself above that particular thing or person. And at the end of the lesson, I uh, uh, told a story and a little bit of a quote from a book by Don Shula. And, uh, you, you probably know Don. I'm a Dan Marino fan, or at least was <laughs> growing up, so I, I know Don from the Dolphins, absolutely. But in the Colts before that, sure. Yeah, and uh, well, he wrote a book. Uh, uh, Everyone's a coach. Have you read that book? I have uh, not read that book. Uh, in that book, he's uh, he talks about where he lost his temper in one of his games. They were playing against uh, the L.A. Rams, and he had lost his temper. He was near an open microphone, and he cursed pretty pretty profusely. And of course, today that wouldn't be a big deal. For no, most it's people. it's so commonplace today. But back and, then, yes. it was serious, and people were upset. Millions of viewers were surprised. They were shocked by his uh, explicit profanity. And letters began to uh, come in from all over the country, uh, uh, upset with him, voicing their disappointment. Many who had respected the coach for his integrity. And uh, Shula, he could have given any excuse in the world. You know, whatever. Uh, I stumped my toe. I don't know. But he, he could have given anything, uh, any excuse, but he didn't. Everybody who included a return address received a personal apology, handwritten by Shula. He closed each letter by stating, quote, I value your respect and will do my best to earn it again. That's not bad. I think that was awesome. Not, I have not heard that story. Uh, it's in his book, Everyone's a Coach. 
Okay. Don Shula. And, um, you know, there's two ways you can gain respect and <clears throat> be a good role model. One is to act nobly, understanding the position that you have uh, here in this world. And the uh, and another one, and that, this one I think is even the best, is even best, is when you fail, you admit your mistakes. You don't make excuses, but you strive to do better. Uh, I have another story. This is a, a personal one. When I was at the Sunset School of Preaching, uh, we pick a, a leader for our class. You know, I won't say his name, but this particular guy, he he was a, not really arrogant, but he wasn't quite listening to what everybody was saying, and everyone was getting really frustrated with him, and they didn't like him, and finally they've had enough. And the class got together, and they wanted to get rid of him. And uh, before that happened, I was, I was sitting there, and I was all for getting rid of him. I wasn't too happy with him either. And he gave a, 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 a little speech explaining how he had no idea. He is so sorry he wasn't going to do it again, but if they wanted to pick another uh, a leader for the class, he was all for that, and he'd be, be willing to step, step aside for that to happen. And as soon as he said that, this well of respect came up from me. I was like, that's, that's the kind of leader I want. Someone who would be willing to admit the mistake, make it, fix it, and move forward. I don't want to get another person in there who's going to make the same problems. This guy's already made a problem, realized it, fixed it, and wants to move forward. Let's keep him. Now he's got experience. Now he's he's shown me he has got integrity. And uh, that's one of the things I think a lot of our sports figures are missing uh, today. I, sure. I, I think of uh, Tiger Woods. Yeah, uh, He's really built up uh, in the media as this, this perfect fella with a perfect family and all these things. And of course, the pressure was on him at that point to be that person. And then uh, kind of got torn down, didn't it? It did, <laughs> real bad. And then we were talking uh, off air the other day, and you know, Michael Phelps, uh, an Olympian uh, and, and gold medalist many times over. One incident where he's seen in a photographer uh, a photo with a with a bong, um, makes a, a big mistake, and um, you know he's villainized uh, for that. And and obviously it was was a big mistake and a costly mistake, but uh, somebody that you'll see once again on the sports scene in the near future as he begins to prepare for for yet another olympics yeah hey let's uh, let's look at a few others also we're running a little short on time but I, I want us to hit on um uh some that are praised for some of the things they do that are not exactly respectable uh and some that are vilified for doing things that i would think are respectable we were talking about that off air the other day too sure um Tim Tebow, and what was the name of that other football player who came out who was gay? Michael Sam. Michael Sam. Now with the St. Louis Rams and formerly with Missouri. Um, both both SEC players that I had a chance to, to cover in person um, during my time uh, in Nashville on the SEC beat. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know if ironic's the right word or, or what, but uh, when you look at Tebow and how open he was uh, with his religion and his beliefs. Um, it was very uh, polarizing for some fans. Um, you had a strong Christian con- contingency that came out across the country and really backed him and and loved the outspokenness um, uh, that he was willing to share. And um, you had had a strong media contingency and and. Um, other group of people pushing their own agendas, worldly agendas in, in many cases, 
that that uh, you know ostracized him for it. Um, even belittled uh, a commercial that uh, I think he did, and maybe I can't remember if it, it got pulled from the Super Bowl or uh, maybe it just got um, you know critiqued uh, for running during the Super Bowl. But w- with his mom, where they talked about uh, you know her not choosing not to have uh, have an abortion um, in a certain situation, uh, and then being pro-life. Um, so it is in and Sam on the other end in the spectrum uh, seems like a nice enough guy in person certainly a good football player trying to make an NFL roster uh, he comes out says I'm openly gay and and first college player I guess to do that and you know every 5 minutes we see the updates on ESPN oh, the first openly gay college player and then now in the NFL first openly gay NFL player drafted and and everybody just kind of falls in line because well, yeah, um, that meets the standards right. that they they want as, Absolutely. as tebow does N- not nobody's going to critique him for that um yeah. because as soon as you do you're not uh not perfectly in line with the political correctness movement yeah, absolutely and uh we're, we're running short on time but i, I want us to have a some biblical uh take on this or what the Bible says on these things and you know the Bible in the New Testament times there was a lot of uh, people were, were big into sports back then you you see Paul making um, sports analogies of uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 verse 5 he talks about uh, uh, the athlete there 1 Corinthians 9 run in such a way as to, to win the prize because the, the Ithium games that were just outside of Corinth and the Olympics that was going on there. And so people's minds were, were real focused on that. And But there's not much you can really go to to talk about, oh, what about when you idolize sports? Well, we know what the Bible says on idols. We right. understand that. I don't th- And I think our listeners understand that. We don't need to, to get into that. But I do want to put our mind somewhere that will help uh, not only uh, us as Christians, but even those who find themselves in a position as a role model and, and maybe... The <clears throat> Excuse me, but maybe they're wondering, how can I? <coughs> excuse me, how can I better myself, or how can I be that kind of role model God wants me to be? In uh, James chapter one, starting in verse twenty-two, James writes, he's talking about the Word of God here, and, and let me give you a little uh, what's going on. Verses nineteen to twenty-one, he talks about the proper attitude to have toward, to have toward the Word of God. And in verses 22 to 25 that I'm going to read is the proper acceptance of the word of God. And here in verse 22 he writes, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at himself at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. And before I really get into that text, we're talking about how we put people up on pedestals, and we're talking about sports particularly here, but we see this across the spectrum on everything, especially with uh, actors or musicians. Absolutely. Uh, I think of uh, all those po- those girls. Every time it seems like every time one of these girls in Disney are so sweet, mm-hmm. they, they seem so kind and gentle and, and, and lo- lovely. 
And then as soon as they become popular and begin to do music outside of Disney or movies outside of Disney, everything falls apart. It's like they were, they, they were people of integrity. They, they were uh, uh, moral and upright. Uh, and then they look into the mirror of Hollywood and they see what Hollywood wants them to be and they, they just embrace it and that's begin it. to take that on. It's the marketing aspect. There. And, and James is, is saying that you know, that's the way we need to be toward the word, toward Christ. It's like looking in the mirror. And when you look in the mirror, especially in the morning, uh, you, I need a shave, or I need a, I need a comb, or I need to clean up and make myself look proper. And we, we think of proper here as in society. Make sure we're clothed well, and we don't look bad, we don't smell bad, and we're clean. And James is saying is, you're looking into the Word of God. That's the mirror. And it's showing us something. It shows us our sins, our faults, our, our, what we're doing wrong in our lives. A lot of people don't like that, and so they... They, they, they move away from it. They don't want to have anything to do with it. In particular, here in his passage, he's talking about a guy who he sees it. Okay, hey, that's good. That's all nice. And he walks away and he forgets. It's like somebody who hears the word. and you know, they, they, they hear me do a sermon, say, here at North Valley. And then when at the end of the service, they're like, oh, that was a good lesson, Chris. But they have no idea how it applies to their lives. They don't think about that. And we know God's words out there. We know these folks know these things, but what the God, uh, uh, that there's a standard from God, but they don't, they, they suppress the truth. Like we see it, how they treat Tim Tebow compared to uh, the uh, football player Sam. Michael Sam. Michael Sam. And they elevate one and they tear down the other. And we need to be an effectual doer and not just a hearer. If we want to make an impact in our world, if we want to be that light and that salt in this world, we don't want to be those who just hear the word. That won't do it. No matter how many times you may hear people say, you only need to believe and you'll be saved, James disagrees. You need to be a doer of the word. When you hear God say something or make a command or say this is the way your life needs to be, you need to make a change. When you look in that mirror, you're looking at Christ. And that that needs to reflect back onto your life, my life, and all of our lives. And especially when you're a role model. You want to set, every father and mother out there wants to set a good role for their uh, children to follow. And that's, that's why any role model should see themselves. People are looking at you, and they are going to dress the way you dress. They're going to talk the way you talk. They're going to want to be you, the more they like you, the more that you're prominent, whatever way it is, part of you is going to come into them. And in what better way to be than to be that role model just like Christ? And I encourage everybody to, to have that mindset. Well, our time is over. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you being here, Jeff. Uh, thank you very much. Happy to do it. And uh, I want to thank all of our listeners out there for hanging in there, and we appreciate you being here. But most of all, we want to thank our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has given us this opportunity to study and read His Word. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.